0: This is The Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We want to uh, thank, as we always do, Central Works, the new play theater, with uh, headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Zweifler. Uh, Central Works Theater, reinventing theater one play at a time. We want to thank them so much for sponsoring The Yay. Yay! And we have a fantastic guest, uh, Taranj Yegazarian. You Yay! are a uh, playwright. You're an actress. You're the founding artistic director of Golden Thread Productions. And I'm sure you do many more things. Uh, Taranj, how are you doing today?
1: I'm really well. Very happy to be here with you.
0: Thank you. Uh, you have to tell us how you got to know Norman. And uh, I'm, sure, I'm, sure there are other, I'm sure there are other things that you do. I mean, uh, are, you, are you involved in any other theater companies currently?
1: Not currently,
0: no. Okay right on
1: um yeah i was trying to remember norman did we just kind of run into each other at that cafe on park boulevard or no
2: um no i i don't think so because i i think the only times i've ever gone there have been to meet you oh
1: so how did we originally meet i
2: think it was i i i'm thinking it was probably something like were you on the uh, theater services committee for tba Yes. So I think we might have met formally that way, but um when you guys moved in when uh Z Space moved into that uh office on tenth street. Yeah. Um and then you guys got a space in there, I was in there regularly, um uh-huh. you know, dealing with uh, playwrights uh foundation and uh with uh word for word.
3: Yeah. So
2: yeah, you just stopped me one day and you were like, You're a director, right? <laughs> suddenly I'm like directing a new musical that is being written as we are working i was like yeah
1: okay. so that was love missile which was our first commissioned work it was an anti-war musical this was in 2003 um mm. uh, you know when uh, the us basically invaded iraq and that war was going on and right we were pulling our hair so this was our way of Um, I don't know, I think surviving for one thing, but also expressing our point of view, yeah. And um, I don't know, Norman, if you remember or not, but my mom was in that play. Yes. And Sophia Ahmad was in that play and they were playing a mother and daughter uh, in Love Missile. And then Mm. years later, they performed together again in 2015. We oh. performed together again in, in uh, Isfahan blues. Uh-huh. And Sophia played a younger version of my mom. Oh, how cool! Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Love Missile lives on. We
2: I'm glad to hear it. That, no, was that, what what was a, it was a twisted piece about a missile turning shit into love, literally. We were. And so we had to represent that on stage. And I don't remember who came up with the idea, but we used chocolate frosting, cake frosting. <laughs> um, so it kind of looked like it, but you couldn't help but want to lick your fingers every time you dealt with it. It uh, was it was funny. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and we had shadow puppetry, remember? Uh, oh, John that was A- beautiful, yes. So all the attack scenes, the scenes in that other country where the war was happening, those were all done through shadow puppetry.
3: Yeah. We had such
1: talented cast, you know, playing the part of the president and, oh my God, it was a lot of fun.
2: It was, it was wild. It was wild to work in that space. And the lighting designer, I I (laughs) was so appreciative of, because I'm like, I know we're in a space with limited. And that was the first thing she said to me is we're in a limited space. Yes. And I was like, okay. And then she came back after we did our first run through and said, you've got actors in spaces. You said you weren't going to have. And I said, I know I tried. She said, I I, I got it. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And She just kept offering new innovations. And it was like, wow, it, the result, the end result was not anything I could have dreamed of. I was so thrilled.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And our costume and scenic designer, remember because the new Langton arts was mainly used as a, visual art space right the walls were all white so mm-hmm. our scenic designer covered the walls with trash bags right black trash bags because um, we, we weren't allowed to paint right so uh, that I thought that was ingenious
2: it's it's always wonderful to I'm that's as we do this uh, discussion of being a director Um, To me, one of the greatest things about being a director is the collaborative process. But what that really means, it's not like I'm trying to be fair and let everybody have a say in this. It's more like, I was thinking maybe we could do this. And I know like for me, I'm lame with sound. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, well, I was thinking about this song. And the sound designer will come back and say, well, I did. I got that song. But I was thinking this might be a better choice. I'm like, absolutely. Or you've got me thinking in a new direction let's do that my idea sucked let's throw it out and put something better
3: in
1: yeah and it's been it's been a learning process for me to not try to come up with the solution just state the the problem as i see it and let people come up with like everybody else all the designers come up with solutions yeah that works a lot better
0: yeah, the collaboration is it's it's a tough thing, especially when you have a vision and you know, you want to make sure that your vision is not so tunnel vision that it's all about you and everyone mm-hmm. applying to what your vision is, but to make sure you have an open tent so that everyone's vision can come in, as long as everyone understands the scope of the play. Yeah. But uh, speaking of two thousand I know, we
2: just sort of jumped in. Yeah, <laughs> right?
0: I know. No, 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 Why no. And we'll get into current events and other things as well, but just talk, I, I wanted to let you guys talk. In 2003, I mean, you know, the, the, um, the immediately after September 11th and, you know, the the Iraq Beginning war, of the war yeah. there were lots of theaters that were doing the exact same thing as as your company, Taranj. Uh, I remember being a part of the ISIS Arts Collective. In fact, there's a poster right there, Summer Short. Uh-huh. And that was focusing on um, the late mm-hmm. Mike Ward. He wanted to focus on... The horrors of the Bush administration, and yeah. there, were, there was a lot of that energy going on in the Bay Area community during the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and now
2: it's very different.
0: It's different, and uh, I don't know if it's better or worse. We can get into current events. Uh, it,
2: it's twisted. No, yeah. this has been a this has been a strange week. I started off with physical therapy mm-hmm. by video, which I didn't think would work, but she was really good. I was like, she's like, wait a minute, put your hand on your hip. Make sure that you don't move. I'm like, well, you can. I don't even feel that. You can see that? I'm, I was like, yeah, that's
0: wow. Now, are these, are these still students or are these doctors?
2: Uh, no, this is my real physical therapist. Oh, okay,
0: got it. But This those is
2: my body. And yeah. she's given me a bunch of exercises that just are simple little movements. But you do 20 of them and you feel like you're a little crippled as you get up to move around, which is okay. <laughs> those muscles are learning. Mm-hmm. And then last night, we opened uh, Hamlet's Ghost. With uh, oh, uh-huh. We're officially um, sponsored or co-produced by the Pear,
4: Pear Theater. Theater
2: down in Mountain View. Um, but this is, uh, I think Neva Hutchinson has her own group that is the co-producer. And she oh, nice. did this adaptation of Hamlet. So I'm playing King Claudius. It's a lot of fun. And, and we went for a bike ride yesterday. And as we're riding along, suddenly I come across this.
1: What is it? Looks like a pearl.
4: At
2: one point towards the end of the play, Hamlet, uh, when they're Hamlet and Laertes are getting ready to have a duel, I say, "My son, this pearl is for you." <laughs> and I didn't have anything to use as a pearl. I was using a vitamin, it w- looked really stupid. <laughs> We're riding along and I'm like, "Whoa, in the middle of the road." I'm like,
1: "Where is my pearl?"
2: I just stopped and grabbed it, took it home, washed it off.
0: Right on. That reminds me of uh, the wonderful John Steinbeck uh, short story, *The Pearl*. I don't know if you guys know that. Oh yeah, but, yeah. I don't.
2: Short <laughs> novel, yeah.
0: It's a short novel, and it gets into. I think it was written during the Dust Bowl. Basically, this um, uh-huh. indigenous family, uh, mother, husband and wife, Kino, finds a pearl, and it gets into. He's so greedy. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He tries to cash it, but he wants to get the highest value. But his son is dying. And he's so greedy, he doesn't take the money immediately. He allows his son to, to die. He doesn't mean it for it to happen, but right. wonderful morality story. So I just thought of Pearl. Mm-hmm. In any case, uh, there's been some interesting current events. Right now is the fourth annual march for black women. I don't know if you guys oh. heard that. Yeah, so there's black women are marching in Washington right now, really about the response to Breonna Taylor and um, Sandra Bland and so many other women right. uh, who, you know, we d- just don't focus on enough Mm -hmm. so that is a you know powerful thing
2: well i hope they're making they're grabbing the positive side of it as well i mean kamala harris you know this is a moment in history
0: yeah yeah Yeah, if if we the democrats and those who really care about democracy you know push it through i mean i'm i'm optimistic but I'm also worried that you know that,
2: Oh, I'm, uh, I'm definitely worried, but I mean, I think we should respect the moment. it's, it's, an, it's a special moment.
0: Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Toronto- and you know,
2: I'm not a big Kamala fan, but I am a big enough fan that I'm going to vote for her and campaign for her. I'm yes.
1: Yeah, and she's a first-generation immigrant, so that matters. Yes.
0: Exactly yeah, very much. Yeah. And public dis- and full disclosure, I used to work for Kamala Harris, so of course I'm Oh. That. So Taranj, do you have any thoughts about just what's going on and the movement or whatever? And we'll talk more about politics as well. But, you know, what what do you think? Are you optimistic, pessimistic? How do you feel? Uh,
1: I mean, I'm by nature optimistic. That's why I'm in theater, I think. Otherwise, I would have given up a long time (laughs) (laughs) ago. But, you know, I think the situation is pretty dire, right? It feels like we're fighting invisible forces that are so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes to me, it feels like we don't even know who we're fighting, right. like who's in the background, who's pulling the strings, who's making things happen. Um, you know, like even with the election, like this whole thing about the Supreme Court nomination, The fact that they're pushing it through so quickly. Right. Um,
2: And pretending like it's normal to do it.
1: And pretending, and like the whole Mitch McConnell, his agenda, I think he kind of wants to take us back to the 1950s. Yep. You know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Or even, maybe even like before that, maybe he wants to take us back to the 19th century, you know? Yeah. Um. I think those are his values and and i think you know i think he's racist he's a misogynist i mean of course those apply to our president as well and and so it it makes me i just keep thinking like how did this person get elected and how that these people are getting away with everything that they're doing
0: yeah, you know, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, and it just tells us, you know, how much of a bubble we're in the Bay Area or if you're in a major city because there are people in Kentucky who vote McConnell in and who are like, hey, you are the vessel of all of the morality and the family values that we want to push on America, uh, regardless of how many rights it tramples. And McConnell's niece is married to Daniel Cameron. You know who Daniel Cameron is, don't you? No. That's, no. that's the attorney general... Oh, You're, the black guy. That's right. The black guy, the attorney general of Kentucky who says, oh, the, the uh, Breonna Taylor thing, we're not going to, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to uh, prosecute. Well, they got, uh, you know, the grand jury will indict one individual for shooting into the wall. Right. right. Forget about Brianna Taylor and the six bullets that, you know, hit her. Right. Yeah. I think it's an absolute travesty and I work in law enforcement and I do not agree with Daniel Cameron and the fact that there's such a close relationship. I didn't realize that he was married to McConnell's niece. I didn't
1: uh-huh. know either, yeah.
0: It's- it's yeah. Well, he's
2: definitely ambitious. <laughs> he, is, he is ambitious. He is looking to make that next, climb that ladder, get up the next rung.
0: Yeah, what are you talking about Cameron? Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, that's the Republicans, you know, when you when you, Tarant, when you talk about, you know, the hidden forces, you know, with every, it seems like every week, the Republicans have yet another bullet or another piece of ammunition to use. It's like, oh, you know, we have this uh, this woman—I forget her name—this um, ultra-conservative woman that that Trump wants to push in.
1: Oh, the nominee. Oh, yeah. yeah. The nominee,
0: and you know, the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died—you know—that's ammunition for the Republicans. And then you have this black guy who willingly will, you know acquiesce to Mitch McConnell and the Republicans to not prosecute. I mean, so the
1: optimist in me says that we are being challenged to fight for our rights.
0: Right. Like
1: fight for this thing that we call democracy, fight for peaceful transfer of power, fight for, you know, an independent Supreme Court. Like if, if, if it matters to us, then we have to fight for it. So that's the optimist in me Mm -hmm. the pessimist in me (laughs) is like we are so powerless compared to these larger invisible forces that are pulling the strings and like moving us like pawns like even Trump like you know he he doesn't know what he's doing he just Mm -hmm. says whatever comes out of his mouth I don't think he has like a political strategy I think his strategy is to just make as much money as possible and uh-huh. Uh, and make his his friends richer, um, but he's in so many people's pockets, you know, so that they're of course they're they're using him.
0: Yeah, I don't know, and you know, and the Democrat Party. I mean, you know, we have to. I mean, it reminds me so much of what happened after uh, King was assassinated in sixty eight, where um, you know the the party just didn't have a person, and also Bobby Kennedy, who died in sixty eight. Right, you had a party that was empowered and angry. But they were not united enough so that, you know, uh, Nixon and the Republicans can just do whatever the hell they wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. just how conservative America was. I mean, you know, Nixon in 72 was a landslide victory. And um, so the Democrat Party feels sort of powerless as it was in 68. And I'm hoping that, you know, this, you know, that Biden will be elected and that, you know, we can sort of right the wrong. And it's not so much. We want to win against them, the Republicans. I mean, you know, there are some decent Republicans. You know, I think about Mitt Romney. You know, there are some Republicans who are not racist, who are not misogynists. They just are right. being fiscally responsible. But then you right. have far right folks who mm-hmm. um, who really just, uh, they, they damage democracy. I mean, yeah. the, the, the damage that Trump has made and the people who support him, uh, mm-hmm. that has been the real damage to democracy. That's the way that I see it. Well, well, do you do you see it as? A, I'm curious. I mean, do you
1: see this whole wave as a backlash to the Obama presidency, Definitely. both in terms of having a black man in office and also his
0: liberal agenda?
2: Definitely both.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I totally agree, and I think it's it's yeah. covert racism. I think it's you know they won't say it out loud. Yeah, but yeah.
1: I mean that's what I think too, and I and I. You know i have to tell you as as an immigrant i kind of have an outsider's view of um american society and and politics i think a little bit and and i have to say that race relations in the u.s have always just a driven me crazy because i grew up in the boston area you know and i remember actually living in dorchester i don't know if you're familiar with boston but Dorchester is half Irish, half Black. And people don't cross that invisible line. Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: I didn't know my apartment apparently was on the white block, but, you know, the block behind me was the Black block. And, you know, I would walk my dog four blocks around and I would be circling, like, the Irish area and the Black area. And I was like, wow, this is, like, such a drastic change, you know, there are no whites here, there are no blacks there. Um, so, and it's, and when I was going to high school, people were being bused. There was actual bussing and it just, like that whole history. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to tell you, but that it, that history really.
0: Yeah, No, it's, fa- it's fascinating. And this is a great way to transition into an origin story for you, uh, Taranj. Uh, I grew up on the East Coast as well. Um, what was it like being in Boston? I've been in Boston once, and as a black person, I really did feel um, I didn't feel welcome. I think there's yeah. a race problem in in Boston. But tell us uh, how you did you did you immigrate? Were you born in the USA?
1: No, I was born in Iran. I came to the U.S. when I was 14. My uncles lived on the East Coast, Connecticut and Massachusetts, and I went to live with the one that was that lived in Massachusetts um, and then went to various high schools in the Boston area and got my undergrad degree there and then moved to California to study theater.
0: I'm gonna let uh, Norman uh, take over. (laughs) I mean, I can. I totally can, because I have tons and tons of questions. But, uh, you know, this is...
2: Well, jump in. No, so, uh, Toronto. the reason I specifically invited you on was to be a part of this thing I've been calling the Bad Summit, the Bay Area Directors. Um, And just to talk about... um, I don't think... In fact, I'm sure I did not know you. When I started Oakland Public Theater, um, Mm -hmm. I went out of my way to try and talk to all the East Bay theaters (laughs) to say... Everybody I could find to say, hey what's going on, what is it you're doing, and what is it that we can do, you know, ways that we can work together. Mm -hmm. I feel like as we're in the position that we're in now with everybody's stuff suspended or going online, um, it seems like a great opportunity to stop and talk about where we are and how we got here and what maybe is coming next. So um, we always ask, you know, for an origin story to start because we want to know where you came from. Um, When did you get involved in theater?
1: Well, I did theater all like throughout my childhood. So in Iran in school, I did theater. Then when I moved here
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, in high school, I was, uh, oops, sorry. I have a doorbell that I have to
0: answer. okay. okay. Yeah, oh, okay. We'll be here. <laughs> we'll we'll we sort <laughs> we'll of talk. No, it's interesting with the tarant. I mean, I, I would really love to know um, what influence, because I'm always fascinated with, how does America sort of sell itself to other countries? i mean how do you know maybe they see American television or the you know or listen to rock and roll or something like that. I'm always right. because you know us born- being born here in the u s a we have no idea what how the the what do you call it the marketization of america is uh, yeah, uh,
2: true. yeah true yeah but it was very you know up until um up until the regime took over the uh, the Khomeini and the Ayatollah. Oh yeah, that's right, the Ayatollah, uh, yeah. It was very very western. It was the most western of the Middle East Middle Eastern countries.
0: Yeah, the little that I know, I know that we installed we the CIA in America installed the Shah of Iran in the 50s cuz you know, we yeah. wanted oil and all that sort of stuff. And then of course that ended in the 70s, you know, when Taranj comes back. He's Maybe- back. Yeah. Hey, Taraj. Yeah. We, we yeah, we were talking. We were just
2: talking about fascinated with the idea that. So you were doing theater in Iran. How, how was that at all different when you got to America? Was it basically just the same style, same theater? It it,
1: it, it was the same. We, um, you know, the obviously we, our focus was mostly on Iranian playwrights, but we were certainly learned about other like global playwrights like Shakespeare and Moliere and Chekhov. Mm-hmm. And then the theater scene in Iran was very active, so I actually saw a lot of theater as a child. Huh? Um, and uh, Chekhov was very popular in Iran when I was a kid, so uh, okay. he was one of my favorites.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Chekhov for a child, wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he has all these comedies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that are very animated. Right. I don't know. His yeah. characters, I find, are very animated and multi dimensional, so they're fun for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you ever get into uh, Ibsen when you were um, a child? Always look at Ibsen and Shekhov as sort of bookends to each other.
1: Uh, well, Ibsen is more serious and more right. moralistic, so I. <laughs> uh, not so much my cup of tea, but uh, yeah. Ibsen was also popular in Iran. Yeah. Yes.
0: Because he, he did a doll's house. Is that right, Norman? Yeah. 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 Among others, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah so,
1: Strindberg and Ibsen and Chekhov, I mean, they're contemporaries and right. they were all widely produced. Um, yeah.
2: The modern theater, yeah. So uh, what brought you to America?
1: <laughs> the revolution. So in, 19, oh. uh, yeah, in 1978, there were demonstrations against the Shah uh, and uh, my family was worried about our safety. So they sent my sister and I off to the U.S. to live with our uncles with the idea that we would come back in the summer when things have settled down. Well, things did not settle down. (laughs) The government changed. The Shah was toppled. Khomeini took over. And within a couple of years, people voted for an Islamic republic. So uh, my family eventually, over the course of four years, five years, left the country and we all settled uh on the east coast in in the Boston. oh you
2: stayed on the east coast first
1: yeah yeah i didn't move to california till 91.
2: oh okay
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so you you got there and you started doing theater this was
1: oh yeah in high school i mean the public schools in massachusetts all had arts programming sure music dance uh theater um so I did, you know, bit parts here, there. I auditioned for things. I auditioned for the chorus line. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I wasn't cast. Um, and then it, uh, as I was finishing my undergrad in, uh, in Massachusetts, I was thinking about, because my undergrad is in clinical sciences. So I was thinking oh. about, okay, do I want to go to medical school or do I want to get an MFA in theater? Like those were my two choices. Right. Uh, and this was in the 80s during the Reagan era and the healthcare system was going downhill. So I didn't want to be practicing medicine in that environment. So I decided to pursue theater. I auditioned for some acting programs and I sort of kept getting this feedback that I would never be cast in a leading role. That I, would, huh. Because of my looks and because of my accent, I would always um that it would be difficult for me to be cast um you know to be cast at all right and then if i were cast it would probably be you know i don't know like the caretaker or the cleaner or some small i would have
0: thought you would have resembled ingrid uh who's is it ingrid bergman um i thought she well in any case I, i you know it's I thought that you would have, you know, been more of a, like, the foreign ingenue or something like that. But well, the in
1: the 80s, Red. I mean, if you remember in the 80s, like, this is when, um, what was uh, Crystal and what was their name? That TV series, like... Oh, Dynasty? Look- Dynasty the
0: Dynasty, and-
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That was the look that was being celebrated, so I didn't fit that.
0: Oh, <laughs> what a shame. <what> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, so... You know, I figured, okay, well, I'll go. um, You know, I'll go to. So this was
2: even in an MFA program you were running into this.
1: Oh, absolutely. Acting programs. Uh Acting programs. Um, And then here in once I moved to San Francisco, I auditioned for. A few acting programs, I didn't get in, uh-huh. uh, but San Francisco State ha- had an MFA program at the time where you could actually write, direct, and act. Yes, This is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I had an audition for that program, but unfortunately, because of uh, statewide budget cuts, that uh-huh. program was canceled two weeks before my audition.
3: Wow, <laughs> oh, <goodness.
1: laughs> So What brought you
2: to California?
1: To, to audition cool. for these programs. Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. So here you are, no program. What do you do? <laughs>
1: well, I have family in the Bay Area. So I was staying with family. Then I just found a, a, a full-time job in the health industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, did that. And then, you know, there's a very strong Iranian community in the Bay Area. So yeah. um, I performed in a couple of plays in Persian then I wrote and produced a play in English and staged it at San Francisco Fringe Uh Um, uh, and then eventually I went to San Francisco State and got a master's not an Mm -hmm. MFA but a master's in theater and uh, my master's thesis became Golden Thread's first production.
2: (sighs) Wow, that's I love the trajectory.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was kind so of.
2: I, and I think a lot of people. Yeah, it's funny because you say that there's a there's an Iranian community and and a theater scene. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. So could you say a little about just how go, what Golden Thread is, what the mission is, and.
1: Well, Golden uh, that, that place they occupy
2: in our theater.
1: Yeah, Golden Thread Productions. Um, uh, we founded it in 1996, and uh, we didn't know this at the time, but it is, in fact, the first American theater company focused on the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were theaters in the U.S. that were, let's say, specifically Iranian or specifically Arab American. Right. But there wasn't this idea of a broad umbrella of Middle Eastern American theater. right. So that's what Golden Thread did was establish that, uh, obviously inspired by, you know, Latino theater and Asian American theater and that whole movement. Um, So in the first couple of years, you know, we did maybe one or two productions a year. It took, uh, we didn't actually incorporate and become a 501C till 2001. Uh so we began that process in the year 2000 and we were incorporated in 2001 and i had this vision of you know oh if i just produce a season of three productions a year the people people will come um and that wasn't always that wasn't the case i mean uh it was it was really difficult the, like marketing side of things and the operation side of things mm-hmm. fundraising those were very challenging so it, we struggled a lot even though we had community support but right um
2: did did that did 2001 affect that or was it you well, know
1: 2001 you know 911 was um it brought national visibility to our theater company. I was interviewed by the New York Times uh, uh, about my opinion about 9-11 and what uh-huh. happened. And I said, you know, th- uh, what I found was that they weren't actually interested in my opinion of what happened. They just wanted me to confirm what they were saying. Right. You know, and, and, and you know, uh, my view based on where I'm from, maybe, or my upbringing, uh, is very critical of American foreign policy. So I don't ha- hold back, as you know, <laughs> I don't hold right. back when it comes to that. And, and uh, like when you Now, would you at- say that's
2: personal or would you say that's, um, like, is that, was that part of the culture of Iran as you were coming up that there was a, I don't know, a discomfort, a suspicion about the U.S. and their intentions?
1: Um, I would, if it was, I wasn't necessarily aware of it. I think in Iran, people, and in most of the rest of the world, people are, uh, you know, they're used to uh, political analysis and discussion and, and uh, looking at trends or looking at who's, uh, who's up, who's down. And, right behind what, who's benefiting from what, you know? So this idea of always asking, okay, so this political event happened, but who's benefiting from this political event? Okay. And are the people uh, that the media is talking about, that they did this, did, are they really uh, responsible or, you know, because I, I tend to think about who benefits from something, and,
0: Right. you know? That, that
2: I, seems like a... Go ahead. Were you saying something, Rich?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I had a quick question for Ms. Yigas. Yeah, go um, You know, we've talked about racial issues, but usually when people talk about racial issues, it's always either Black or Latino, or, and we forget about the fact that there are other minorities who should be involved in the conversation. And I, I, I was curious as to how, let's say, um, have you been affected by racism by just, you know, by your nationality? whether just growing up or even the pair theater, let's say you not getting, let's say a, a grant that maybe, I don't know, the Lorraine Hansberry or another company may have.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know if you don't get a grant, it's hard to know why you didn't get it, right? Because right. you contact them and they said, they say the panel assessed, blah, 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 right? Right. You know, so, so it's kind of uh, difficult, but I can tell you that during, um, uh, during the 2000s, uh, and this is based on data that was published in a study, oh. because of the Patriot Act, a number of institutions pulled their funding from anything related to the Middle East. Yow. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because that's- there that's- were repercussions. For right. If they were going to be associated, if the project somehow linked them to some... Terrorist activity, which during those years was very broadly defined, right? Then they it would be they would be jeopardized. So uh, funding was very difficult during those years, and and um, uh, institutions were were reluctant to mm-hmm. um, to support our work. But we benefited from funding from San Francisco Art Commission, California Art yeah. Council. Um, GFTA and then later the Hewlett those were sort of our main sources of funding and then smaller local foundations like Zellerbach etc but I think uh, the fact that our focus is on the Middle East the fact that many of our plays open openly discuss political issues Mm -hmm. um, it it scares people away even Middle Eastern foundations yeah
4: well
1: They they're more comfortable, let's say, supporting our children's program because it's safer. Right. But You know, the full length plays that, um, I don't know, expose some kind of political issue uh, is a little touchy for folks.
2: Which is funny because you would think Bay Area theater, that the Bay Area would be open to political discussion.
1: I I wonder what kind of reception. Go ahead. I, I, think, I think Bay Area theater is open to discussion, but, you know, I think we, we think of ourselves as more liberal and more progressive than we actually are. Right. Like, it's difficult, it, particularly for someone who thinks of themselves as liberal and progressive, it's very difficult for them to face their own racism. It's oh. very difficult for mm-hmm. them to face their own fears mm-hmm. about the Middle East, right? Right so so the, these are challenges and we try to have discussions and and open it up but the, the, well, the, the like i said i think we
2: met through the tsc and you know it was a wonderful it's an organize. it's the, theater bay area brings together all these theater companies to basically have a discussion about what is going on and what is the scene how did you feel like your reception was from the general theater community for golden thread
1: Well, when Golden Thread was coming up, it was an exciting time because a number of new theater companies were emerging.
4: Oh, yeah?
1: Uh, Yeah, African-American Shakes had started the year before us. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Crowded Fire started the year after us. Uh, Fool's Fury, Cutting Ball. So there were a whole bunch of us, Mm -hmm. new companies. Uh, We were all present at TSC and and supporting each other and coming up with tools and policies uh, to help each other. I mean, and if you remember at ZSpace, all of these companies had their offices.
2: I know, it was a great, uh, there was an old office space that was suddenly, uh, ZSpace got in from their old space and suddenly had a little more, they had some extra offices (laughs) and they started, you know, it was really smart. They said, well, we should really encourage cultivate this relationship with these other companies and it's something I've always thought was important um, I've, I've always hoped to see it happen more largely yeah. but those companies that take the time to actually communicate with each other and participate in what's going on I, I think that if I were going to identify something as you know one of the most positive things in Bay Area Theatre I'd say it's that when you mm-hmm. know there's a relationship between companies Mm-hmm. And I always feel like people are, theater companies are aware of Golden Thread, but I always, I'm always i always happy when I see, like, when you guys got connected to Potrero House. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they calling it now? Potrero uh, Stage. Potrero Stage.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know that, and you were connected to it even before that. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Um, but again, it was those relationships, because I feel like if you're only going to do two or three shows a year, somebody else is going to be filling that stage. If it's a company that you have a relationship with, in your audience, you're going to start to share audience. Do you see that at all happening?
1: Um, I mean, it's something that Potrero Stage is trying to do. They're trying to uh, come up with a program that can benefit all the companies that utilize that space. Yeah. uh C- crowded fire and golden thread we are the two companies that are resident companies at patrero stage right and we sh- also in the same building independent of patrero stage we share an office and rehearsal space right so we have a closer partnership with each other we're both new play producers we are right. both about amplifying underrepresented voices so we have a lot of um, overlap in our mission and vision and the way Mm -hmm. we approach things. I don't know that that's necessarily the case with every company that produces at Petra Stage. So it'll be interesting to see how we can share audience because, you know, their audience may not be interested in our work. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. It's it's something that it's in, you know, that it, it is in process.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean you you occupy such a unique position in in the whole spectrum of, of American theater, yeah. you know, let alone Bay Area Theater. I'm I'm always curious to know where those places are where you find that you can make connection and where you find that you're kind of on your own.
1: <laughs> well we have uh we have we're part of a national network and for a number of years we've partnered with um uh, organizations nationally to really raise the visibility of Mm -hmm. um, Middle Eastern and North African theater artists. And um, so just this year, we finally launched um, Middle Eastern North African uh, Theater Makers Alliance, Uh, which has a website and people can see it, but this is the first national advocacy organization for our community. And it's the result of many years of community building and outreach nationally. Um, So I think moving forward, there's going to be a lot more um, national support for our work. Uh, I'm always surprised when people in the Bay area say, Oh, I have, I've never heard of golden thread. So I don't know, like, I don't know where to advertise. I don't know. Right. You know, the Chronicle doesn't review you or the guardian closed or whatever. Like, I don't know um, where people find, find out about theater. Now it's just, everything's become focused on social marketing and, online yeah. outreach so I
0: think, I think it's a new game that a lot of theater companies are trying to figure out you know like do you do uh twitter snapchat instagram facebook you know what's the new trend what's the latest trend or what's an old trend and i think i think uh, golden thread is not the only one there are a lot of theater companies that are struggling especially those that have been around for a long time because they're used to the old the old way of doing things you know and, right models.
2: the old way doesn't work anymore so but how does the social you know how does social media work? I mean, if I put up on Twitter that I saw your show and I loved it last night.
1: Yeah, does it actually translate? Does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're working on a series of audio plays right now. Uh So because we are producing, we want to produce online content, right? So uh in on october 6th we're gonna release a full-length play an iranian full-length play actually called uh-huh. the language of wild berries uh it's gonna be released as a podcast it'll be free to access people nice. can stream it or they can download it
3: mm-hmm.
1: and then um on october 7th we're gonna have a conversation with the playwright on zoom and oh, nice. live stream that so uh-huh. Uh, and that's the first of our sort of our major online events,
0: uh, and we're going to build on that with uh, two more.
2: Moving into the twenty-first century.
0: <laughs> Miss Miss uh, do you know a good friend of mine is Nasim Badi, and she is also Iranian. Uh, she's an actress and a playwright. I don't know if you know her or not. I should. She's Bay Area. Yeah, she's Bay Area, Bay Area. I don't know. Would you introduce I'll, I'll de- us? Yeah, I'll definitely connect uh, the two of you because I think she, she would really enjoy, uh, because she's been looking, she's a playwright looking for a platform to express exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about, what it is to be a woman. And she has a lot of uh, interesting stories about living in Iran and also oh. about American involvement. You know, you had talked about how... America sort of, you know, paints itself as this uh, wonderful. Well, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave, and we're so wonderful. But in other regions, you know, if you are from Iran or Iraq or whatever, you you'll have a different take. You know, we were talking just <laughs> while, while you were uh, while you were getting the um, while you were answering the doorbell. Norman and I were talking about the influence of the CIA. You know, inputting in, in, putting in uh, like the Shah and trying to sort of direct things, and I'm sure that's had a... Um, well,
2: and that's, yeah, that's become our foreign policy in general. We seem to approach everybody using that model.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the U.S. I, the US is not unique. I mean, this is a superpower thing, and,
0: mm-hmm. and uh,
1: countries uh, meddle in, in, in each other's affairs, and the powerful feel that they have the right to do whatever they can. So um, I think it's our job to stop them. And um, you know, whether it's US policy in Central America and South America or the Middle East, um, I, from my perspective, it's been, it's been disastrous. And um, right. in, in Central America and South America, it's actually led to some of the environmental problems that we're now seeing with deforestation and, mm-hmm. and abuse of land because of mining, et cetera. So, I mean, these are, uh, yeah, I mean, if you call yourself a democracy, your citizens must be more involved. And I think what's happening in the U.S. more and more is that, you know, we're just really comfortable not being involved. It's like, oh, you know, as long as I have my job and my car and I'm Yeah, yeah, we're distracted. uh,
0: We have our toys. You know, we're not focused on what's going on.
1: Yeah, well,
2: and, and it I'm, seems like it would be a I challenge. I
1: include myself in that. I'm not saying. Ah,
2: I'm right. Saying <laughs> you enjoy your coffee.
1: I do. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it seems like it's a challenge with that to grapple with the sort of perspective that is being an immigrant, being someone from the Middle East, trying to communicate with an American audience you know, how do you keep it from just feeling like it's always going to be heavy? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I mean, that is a challenge. And we do comedies. We also try to, uh, we, I look for stories that make connections to um, American uh, narrative. So, for example, we have uh, co-produced with Asian American uh, theater, uh, uh language rooms which included a character which only had one Middle Eastern character but mm-hmm. uh, and then um, an African-American character a an Asian Muslim character um, and uh, together they were you know telling a story but because these other characters were there you could see American perspectives in the play and our plays are Middle Eastern American plays right and they are, at the end of the day, American stories, because we're immigrants who live and work here, right? Right. Um, or with our co-production with African-American Shakespeare on Esfahan Blues, it explored um, Duke Ellington Orchestra's visit to Iran in 1960s and the uh-huh. influence of the civil rights on the Iranian population and the influence of jazz music on Iranian population. Um, But also, you know, examining, uh, um, you know, US's what I call colonialist agenda, right? So uh, an Iranian character in the play challenges the American character in the play, Mm -hmm. uh, saying, you know, um, how can you be fighting for civil rights but not see uh, U.S.'s colonialist agenda Colon- right. elsewhere, you know, and sort of making those connections. They're not separate from each other, you know. Right. They're, they're connected.
2: No, it's it's exciting to think about that, and I think you were touching on that, Reg. The reflection that we get from that immigrant perspective. This is who you are. This is how you. This is how you are seen in the world. This is how you operate.
0: Yeah, 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 that's exactly right, and it's important for us Americans to understand, you know, from another perspective, how we really are, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the mirrors, like, you know, you're not as perfect as you seem to be, and it's up to us as activists if, if, we're, if we really care about democracy to say, hey, listen, We need to put to task, you know, our leaders to say, you know, you need to operate better. I I did have a quick question. Uh, Do you enjoy directing more or do you miss acting? Um, What do you (laughs) enjoy about theater the most?
1: Uh, I love writing. I consider myself a playwright more than anything else. And I enjoy directing uh, I haven't acted in many years, so I don't actually know if I'm an actor anymore, but maybe it's like riding a bicycle, but um, yeah, so writing, uh, playwriting and directing mostly. <clears throat> and I did want to go back to the point you were making before, though. I want to say that nobody's perfect and no country is perfect, right. but, but the U.S. makes a lot of claims. Yes. Right. The U.S. makes claims to being a bastion of democracy, a democracy and everyone having rights, and it's like you can't say those things and behave the way you're do- you're behaving. Yep.
0: You know? Absolutely right. Now, Dr. King in, in, in his uh, "I Have a Dream" speech, he talked about the check, the proverbial check that is written, and uh, you know when we talk about the Declaration of Independence, and when we don't do what we're supposed to do as America, as America it's a bounce check. You know, you tell yeah, right. someone, you are free, but you know, uh, you're not as free as, you know, anyone else who, uh, has money or who has prestige or who is, you know, who has privilege.
1: Yeah. And I would say that, you know, the, the immigrant perspective is not so different from, uh, anyone else in the U S who has experienced otherness, yeah. right. For whatever reason. So, many in our, in our audience are of mixed heritage or are LGBTQ and, and they, uh, our plays, our stories resonate with them because they mm-hmm. can connect with that experience of otherness.
2: As somebody working with the larger theater community, do you find that they're responsive to you? And I know that your plays cause I've known people been in the plays I've directed. Um, that you, it isn't like you're only focused on Middle Eastern, you know, talent um, and particularly with uh, technicians and such. It seems like you, mm-hmm. you know, are people aware enough for the company to f- reach out or is it, is it an insular community?
1: Um, I think, I mean, our resident artists are mixed, right? So it's Middle Eastern artists and non-Middle Eastern artists. So okay we've been working with a group of artists consistently that are of mixed background. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, the Bay Area is interesting. On the one hand, it's so supportive and collaborative and uh, wants to reach out. On the other hand, resources are so limited. We're always pitted against each other. We're always fighting for the same audience. We're fighting for the same funding. Yep. And so it's, you know, it's uh, a little bit of everything.
0: (laughs) Mask one. uh, I'm, you know, I don't want to disturb your groove, uh, Norman, but I'm fascinated. You know, I, uh, so there are a group of us that are working on the Brecht project. That's the project that I'm working on. And so me and a bunch of other playwrights are writing plays, adapting uh, modern interpretations of Bertrand Brecht's play, uh, Fear and Misery in the Third Reich. And they are like 27 little one x but as a playwright as a young playwright uh how do you find different distinct voices it's very easy to lock in on your voice because you come from your perspective but how do you find other perspective let's say if you had to write a part as a, for a black man how do you get into that that space i mean how do you do it yourself Taranj?
1: well when i had to write a part for a black man in Esfahan blues um, and my black male character was a musician. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 real person that my character was based on was a musician. So he didn't have writing for me to refer to. So I, I researched uh, black authors of the right. same era to see uh, if there was somebody's voice that resonated with me in terms of what I knew yeah. about this character. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Langston Hughes, so yeah. I went to him first. Uh, um, but he's too too much of a poet, too sweet, too. Yeah,
3: that's a nice <laughs> so way of putting
1: it. That wasn't exactly the voice that I was looking for. Um, so I, I looked at some of the older activist voices, like from the turn of the century. Oh. I came back to the 60s and... Um, uh, landed on an author that I uh, that ins- that definitely inspired the voice of this character for me.
4: Oh yeah, who?
0: <laughs> yeah, you I'm, guys I'm, guess. I, I, I mean, would say Mary Baraka. I would say Leroy Jones. I don't know.
2: No, mm-hmm. my first thought was um, uh, Baldwin. Yes, James Baldwin. Ah, there
0: yeah. we go. There we go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> who is huge now? It's 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 an exciting yeah. time to watch that voice just continue to be more and more relevant it's, yeah it's
1: and what does that mean that that voice is relevant now i mean i that, think the barriers to
2: noise. him being heard are dropping I, I i guess that i can't imagine otherwise why because it's not like it wasn't any less true when he said it but i don't think he was heard as much
1: yeah i don't well, know i mean the situation hasn't improved i think is right You know,
2: there's a beautiful clip of him as an older man being interviewed and saying basically he's being they're saying, why are you pushing for this now? And he's like, well, how long are we supposed to wait? Am I, you know, my nephews and my nieces, are they supposed to wait? You know, is that next generation supposed to wait? How much longer? It's been going on for a long time. It was. And it was wild because you could see the hurt in his eyes. And it's the same hurt you see when you look at those 60s clips, the young man expressing all this.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, I feel like we're getting close to time, but I did want to ask if you are ready to talk about it, what this transition is going to be. Are you moving on that yet? Is that something you can share?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, our selection committee, uh, and I'm not a part of that selection committee, they're uh, either beginning to or will very soon begin their interview process. Yeah, Uh, And uh, I think the schedule is that they'll make an offer um, so that we have identified our new AD by the end of the year with the idea that they would begin by January 2021 is the idea. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. And I'll stay on through March um, Mm -hmm. and be there to support the the transition and the new AD. Um, And after that, I'll be... Or around the same time i guess i'll be directing at uc berkeley um and then after that i'm hoping that i can take a little time off maybe do a cross-country trip if uh that's possible i've never done a cross-country trip so um, wow. Uh, I'm yeah, no, that's ready. and
2: just again, so that we're clear for people listening. Um, so you'll be stepping down. Uh, is your title artistic director, executive director? What do you, what have you been?
1: Founding titled? executive artistic director.
2: Ah, all of it, and you are looking for somebody to step into these shoes. All of it, or uh, executive
1: there, artistic yeah. director. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, it's it's going to be a huge shift, and I can imagine having some time off
0: will be. <laughs> New, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll still be a part of the pair mm-hmm. theater. I'm sure you'll still be a part of you know, golden thread. Yeah. I'm sorry, golden thread.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I won't be in any formal way, but hopefully, I'll come back as an artist and
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, be produced or direct or something. Can
2: can can you give us a hint at who's who's in the running, or do we should we no. just wait for the big announcement?
1: You should wait for the big announcement.
0: I actually don't know. I don't, oh, I don't
2: okay. Know. You've really made sure you stayed out of that process.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Yay! As you guys were talking about uh, James Baldwin, a book that I'm reading now is called The Fire is Upon Us. I'm probably... It's probably oh, wow! Here. It's, it's a wonderful... It's about the debate between James Baldwin and uh, William Buckley. I mean, oh, yeah. yes, 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 There I was a the program last that. week. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, there are all sorts of YouTube videos on it, and there's, I'm sure, a documentary on it, but... I'm sort of getting into because obviously you know we you Norman and not we've talked about when baldwin was in france and when he came back from france to the united states he almost mm-hmm. immediately got into the political circuit not only was he writing for right. the civil rights movement and he wrote the article in time magazine but he got into a debate with this ultra conservative which is really an echo of what's happening right now conservatives mm-hmm. versus liberals and william buckley for those who don't know uh was a ultra conservative who um you know tried to espouse conservative values and, and all sorts of stuff. And it's an echo of what's happening right now. So,
2: well, and they literally did it this week. They re, David Fromm, and and I don't know the black uh, person who is uh, from Harvard, I think,
3: hmm.
2: recreated the debate. Wow. So that is the, You can see that now, that was recreated this, I think it was like Monday or something, um, but it was done this week, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely in, check in that connection
2: to the book, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Taranj, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I'm dying to see one of your plays because, you know, it's-
1: Or uh, hear. <laughs> you may hear one of our plays, soon.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hear and see. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. after COVID-19, we'll actually go to the theater and see. Yeah. But it's something Scott Munson, Scott Munson is a mentor of mine, and he would always say, you know, as Westerners, we're so conditioned to what we see and the media that we get. We need to really hear voices from other cultures because that's the way that we can grow as artists. Mm -hmm. Well,
2: and I think it's an exciting way to tell story from a new perspective. So, because when you see the stories, they're stories. It's stories of love, stories of revenge. You know, we know these stories, but the context may be new and exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the language of Wild Berries is essentially the story of a marriage. So, yeah, um, I think it's very accessible and people who, Hear it, will will love it. I think I'm pretty confident link, that they so we'll will
2: be love able it. To share it.
0: That's right. Send us the link. Send us the link. <laughs> no, we
2: it's uh, in the email, right? You yeah. You sent it in the email. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. So we'll we'll definitely promote it. All okay. right. Shout out. Thank you. Yeah, birthdays. Okay,
2: we're gonna we're gonna Thanks. talk about if you know any other shows you want to promote or birthdays is what we're gonna hit right now. Um, birthdays for this week. Randall King, who is the founding director of the San Jose Stage Company, amazing actor. Um, His birthday is coming up this week. And Kara McKelvey Phillips. It's funny, even when I see this woman's name, I'm like, oh, who is she? I did, um, oh gosh, what's it called? God of Carnage. And I ended up with three wives by the time we finished that run. We extended um, and that was part of it. She got hired and they said, she said she had a wedding she had to go to. So a third woman stepped in.
0: Aren't you lucky.
2: Uh, and did one weekend with me. It was, that was weird. So she's one of my wives, one of my exes.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
2: Taya, 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 gosh, Taya Tuggle um, is somebody I know from each one, reach one, you know, doing work in juvenile halls. Mm-hmm. Carrie Path is this amazing actress and, uh, she was casting and putting together outreach programs and is just somebody I'm always happy to hear her name and know that she's still working. Amazing actress. Brenda Lamberty is somebody I met through the Latino Theater Network um, and she is a comedian. She's this um, very attractive Latina who loves to do comedy. So it's a neat sort of juxtaposition. And she keeps bouncing back and forth between here and L.A. If you've ever seen, uh, there was a specific show that was in the um, the the style of the punked shows. Uh huh. She did one of those. Not one of them. She was a recurring person in that. So uh-huh. they would do up, like there was one where they walk in and she's just all over this guy about... Um, We were supposed to be getting married and you didn't show up. And what's going on? I'm in my dress and I'm ready to go. And the guy's mother is standing there just freaking out. Anyway, that's Brenda. Um, Kevin Carrick is somebody I got to do Man and Superman with, with shotgun players. And I didn't even know he existed. What a powerhouse of an actor. Wonderful. Uh, Jenny Reed, a Bay Area director. Somebody I first met when I was on the selection committee for the Bay Area Playwrights Festival. Um, and I think she now lives up in Oregon, but her birthday is this week. Kevin Lassett, I have done one full-length movie, decent-sized role in a full-length movie. It's called Coming of Age. And he played, there were two guys, he played the sidekick, the friend of the main character. I end up becoming the mentor character in that, in that film. It's, um, and I die. So I've been wanting to. I've got it on uh, VHS, and I want to transfer it so I can actually show people because I've got this wonderful dying monologue. Uh, who else? Lee Jenkins, a Bay Area playwright, um, been around for as long as I've been paying attention to uh, the playwriting scene here. Ruben Gorhalva on the other end of the spectrum, is a younger playwright um, who I met through the Bay Area Playwrights, uh, not Bay Area Playwrights, uh, Playground, SF Playground and um and then started seeing he's done some commercial work and you know writing different pieces exciting young talent who is now married
0: and
2: and has a baby in the age of COVID. yeah and last one is um not really a theater guy actually i think he did do a show when we were in high school glenn wickman um but he is uh now my birthday buddy So as I celebrate my birthday season, Glenn is my dude. We've been riding the Bay Bridge for, this will be the eighth year, and I will have to do it without him this year because he's in Canada. He's in Toronto. But we're going to um, call. We're going to check in, and he's going to do a similar length ride when we do our ride here, which will be next Saturday, next Saturday morning. Those are my birthday shout
1: outs. Is today your birthday?
2: Uh, no, no. I celebrate a whole season. We still got a couple more weeks.
1: Yeah, oh, okay. My birthday is uh, on
0: the sixteenth. Oh, Yay! What's going on? Well, happy and you're Libra.
1: Yes.
4: Happy
0: free birthday orange So here's my list. Um, today is Leslie McClellan's birthday. Uh, she is sixty-three years old and it's okay for me Woo. to see because she has it on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> she and I acted in, in uh, one ten in the shade. So uh, that's wonderful production, which had so many people. So I'll bring up One Ten in the Shade all the time because it was such a massive cast. So happy birthday, yeah. mostly. Um, Colin Johnson, I think this is the Colin Johnson that you and I both know. There are two Colin Johnsons in the Bay Director
2: era. and a stagecraft guy.
0: Yes. And an actor. Yeah, that's right. Matter of fact, I think he met, I think we were doing a, the reading of Before the Dream. I think that's, or it was, a, it was another Richard Wright piece that you brought us in. Oh ah. I forget Oh
2: yeah oh no the uh, fire and cloud didn't yes. you do fire and cloud with us
0: That's right that's right that's exactly right So uh happy birthday Colin his birthday is Monday um Tuesday James Centrafani Centrofanti Centrofanti James Centrofanti we just call him Jimmy uh his birthday <laughs> is uh will be Tuesday he is a New Yorker and uh, he is like a true Italian New York actor and uh, he's been in the Bay Area he last acted again the Birthday Party, which uh, won a TBA award. And oh. uh, he's worked with Off-Broadway West when that was going on. So, uh, Broadway, Jimmy, uh, happy birthday to you. Also, you mentioned Ruben Grijalva. On Wednesday, Madison Celeste Geringer. And she's done a lot of work at the Town Hall Theater. She's an actress. But also, she's done a lot of work with kids. Um, the Town Hall Theater has a wonderful uh, group, has a wonderful um, program for children. And there have been a lot of um, actors now who are adults who got their start at the, uh, the Town Hall Theater. As a matter of fact, we've interviewed a couple of them. Like, um, oh shucks, I forget the woman's name. Blonde, um, really beautiful woman. But in any case, she was a, she was a child star and she uh, got her start at uh, Town Hall. So we want to thank All right,
4: yeah.
0: um, And also Marie Claire Erdenest. And she also is uh, someone who got her start at the Town Hall Theater. And so we want to say happy birthday to her. Her birthday is Thursday. Lorenz Garcia, uh, he is a a bendel uh, stiffer, fantastic Philippine actor. And his birthday is on Thursday. uh, I'm sorry, Friday, October the 2nd. And um, we keep on mentioning Joe Besecker. uh, Besecker. Besecker.
2: Besecker, yeah.
0: yeah. And his birthday is Friday. You know, I know the name, but I've never worked with him. He's
2: a playwright. So. <clears throat> I'm surprised <throat> I didn't have him on my list. I'm going to put, put him down.
0: Yep. And the last one that I have is uh, John Fisher. and He is, of course, the uh, the founder. Oh, gosh. When's founders. his birthday? His birthday will be Saturday, a week from uh, today. Oh,
2: that's why I don't have him. Okay. Yeah.
0: And uh, he is, of course, one of the founders of Theater Rhinoceros. And, well, he's
2: not uh, a founder, but he is the um, uh, artistic director. Artistic
0: director, yes. yes. And there it is. Those are my, that's my birthday list.
2: Ooh. I don't have any new shows, um, but two shows that are happening today. The Neighborhood Stories thing, the project that Aaron Merritt has put together, um, is happening today at 3 o'clock around the lake. You can see it from your car. Mm.
4: I
0: don't
2: really understand how that works, but that's happening. <laughs> and then Linda airs Frederick, whose birthday was just last week. Um, is doing, has a reading of her, I don't know the name of the piece, but it's at three o'clock today. This is through the Dramatist Guild. They do a thing called the Footlights series, reading series. Um, and so that'll be happening today. Um, and so I will send you links for both of those. And then of course, this evening, Hamlet's Ghost has our, you know, we, we opened last night and we closed tonight. <laughs> Seven <laughs>
0: o'clock. And actually, I have Linda S. Frederick. She emailed me, so I have that link as well. Um but got it. Great. It was very cryptic because I don't know the name of the, the piece. And, um, but well, in, and it,
2: I looked it up on the website, and it just says, oh, what does it say? It says, it tells you uh, new short and short short plays exploring animate and inanimate.
0: All right. By well, Linda
2: Ayers Fredericks. That's all it says.
0: Yeah, we will push it. We'll have the link there. Um, there oh,
2: no, here they are. Um, a trip to Balaton, the retired fire hydrant, Salt and Pepper, Uncle Houdini, and more. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> There's um, a lot. Yeah, I will, uh, we'll, we'll push that. Teron, any shout outs?
1: Uh, Just our Language of Wild Berries will be released as an audio play on October 6th. Yay! Um, And then we'll have a conversation with the playwright on October 7th online. It'll be live streamed uh, at 11 a.m. our time.
0: Sweet! All right. And I will have uh, links to, uh, I've talked about it before, The Private Lives of the uh, Not-So-Master Race. That's the Brecht Project that I've been talking about. There's still the fundraiser going on. And I'll have a link to that. Okay. We talk about Hamlet's Ghost. Uh, please, everyone, see that today. Tonight is the last uh, day to see it.
4: I'm the king! That's Always.
0: right. Bystanders, uh, Central Works, that's been extended. Norman, you talked about that. That'll be extended to tomorrow. So tomorrow will be the last time to see that, and we'll have a link to that. Also, Pletho's Productions, Joktoberfest. Oh, great. Right. <laughs> That'll be October the 3rd. And that is it. Uh, and we'll also uh, push uh, Taranj's um, play. Uh, audio the, play, yes. The audio play. We have the link to that. Taranj, did you enjoy yourself?
1: Yes, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have a conversation with both of you. Norman, it's been great to see you. And I, I, I am so honored you were
2: able to make time for us.
1: Yeah. And right. I'll
2: happily come over and have coffee. They, they're doing coffee over there
1: i think so yeah, yeah. I, i've moved so now I. oh I'm, you moved uh, where are you now yeah i mean um uh what is this place called you're still in oakland 35th yeah still in oakland but oh, 35th okay. and MacArthur. diamond i mean diamond
0: okay i used to hang out around there i used to live on uh, piedmont avenue which is uh it's, it's a bit of a walk but you know it's I, i'm familiar with the area very cool no yeah. 35th yeah no
1: 35th Avenue.
0: Yep.
2: Near um, um, Farmer Joe's. Yes. Yes. There you after
1: top. Fruitvale.
2: <laughs> What's that?
1: After Fruitvale.
0: Right. After Fruitvale. Yes.
2: Yep. 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 No, I know. I, we, we ride by on bikes. so
0: Very, very cool. All righty, so uh, here's my usual blurb. You, of course, looking at this or listening to this, you're probably looking at this on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please like and subscribe. Or if you don't and you have issues, uh, let us know in the comment section. And yeah, we'll fix them. That's right, and we will definitely fix them. If you're listening to this, uh, you can listen to this on any podcast app that you have. If, you have an, or if you're an Apple user, there's this purple app uh, icon that you click on, you can find us. Just type in The yay and you'll find us. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com. We're on Spotify as well. Uh, we're also on the Apple's iTunes app. The yay oh. was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. I'm at Red Space Clay.
2: And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier.
0: Taranj, do you do social media? Is there a way that people can find you?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I don't really do Twitter or Instagram, but it's my full name, Taranjig Yazarian on Facebook.
0: Yep. All Uh, right. And people can reach out for her because they're- Yeah,
1: and Golden Thread is goldenthread.org. You can go to our website and find out about our work
0: absolutely and if there are other theater companies that are looking for a a playwright to get a different perspective of life um you know tarange is the person that you should be uh, seeking out there you go thank you all right and as norman and i always say we gotta find a better sign off and we are out